Today's episode of Golf in the Mind is brought to you by joggers, keeping the bottom of your pants dry during wet spring golf ever since they put elastic at the bottom of pants. I'm Jack Schultz. I'm here with Mike Miller, as always. Hi, Mike. Hello. And we are joined today by Andy Johnson of The Fried Egg. Welcome, Andy. Hey, pleasure to be on. It's a true, true honor. <laughs> Such a uh, distinguished sponsor. Yes. <laughs> it's good, good to have you. <laughs> we, br- we bring in the sponsorship money because of all the people who listen. So get some joggers. But... <laughs> I was around this weekend. It's hard, I mean... to, hard to believe they only just put elastic in the bottom of khakis. I know, right? It's it was just such a good idea. Like yeah, we, we uh, Mike and I we played this weekend, and you know we, it was the soggy parts. And at the end, I don't know how are your pants. Grant's pants weren't doing too well. Mine are fine. I I had some fairly uh, fairly skinny khakis, but yeah, Grant's nah, no good. <laughs> Maybe you he know, just doesn't know how to walk. But the joggers were good. I saw yeah. at the Honda uh, at joggers on Thursday. So not just Ricky anymore. Who? Oh, at, Adam, who, yeah, Adam Scott. That's. I mean, that's pretty incredible that Adam Scott. Won. I was. I was thinking how, like, oh man, I could like wear joggers during the summer, but it's going to be too hot. They don't make jogger shorts. Thankfully, I would assume those would be a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> you could do those men capris. Oh god! Yeah, like the the Rafael Nadal. What does he? What does he have? Nadal. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think he wears them anymore, but he used to have capris. Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like Payne, he, Payne Stewart without the without the socks. Or you could, yeah. I mean, you could do like the Payne Stewart look, but now have the you know have the socks be really like the nice, breathable, high tech socks. Oh uh, yeah, and an actual normal hat. How about maybe? Nah, yeah, sure. Bucket hat. All right, well, last week the Valspar Championship wrapped up. Uh, I caught a little bit of it at the end, luckily, after being away. Uh, couple t- any takeaways that you guys had? Uh, I guess my biggest takeaway was, uh, I mean, how bad everyone looked on the greens. Um, it wasn't just, you know, one or two guys. It was everyone that was leaving putt short, and it was just... Not terribly enjoyable to watch, but uh, I mean, it was still, I don't know, an enjoyable finish with uh, Charles Schwartzel playing really well and kind of taking away from a Bill Haas who wasn't bringing it home. Yeah, and Schwartzel had finished before Bill Haas got to the, the snake pit, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm. Uh, guys are cutting out a little bit, but uh, I'm sure that's what the uh, course designers were were looking for when they had the snake pit. Is is, is make it a tough finish, having to hold on. Uh, I, I guess we can talk about whether it's uh, w- what you'd rather watch during a final round. Would you rather have some guy trying to hold on, or would you rather have him trying to make birdies on easy holes to catch up coming down the stretch? You know, I think it was a pretty good finish, and you had one guy Schwarzel who came. You know, he, he made putt after putt coming in. Um, you know, he birdied 17 in the snake pit, almost birdied 18, and he made like a 70-footer on 13 coming in. And, you know, one guy coming from behind, which I think is almost an easier position to be in um, for anybody not named Tiger. Um, 
and you have the guy that was leading just, you know, trying to hang on. And then you get those tough holes and, you know, you're trying to put it almost in the middle of the green versus Schwartzel, who is out there attacking. Yeah. It's a tough finish. Yeah, and I mean, my one takeaway was that Bill Haas didn't look great. I saw the beginning of his round, and he just, like, his swing didn't look good, even. Like, Schwartzel's is just solid all around. And Bill Haas would just kind of, like, seem to whack at it and then start leaning, and it would go right a lot. He didn't He didn't look comfortable, uh, like, you, like you were saying, how guys don't know how to how to hold on to leads. See, I would, yeah, I would also have to agree with Annie. I think the, the two-shot lead in golf is probably the worst lead. So, I mean, it's, you know, if you have a one-shot lead, you still kind of have to play aggressive going in. But, you know, Bill Haas was leading by a couple going into the last few holes until Schwartz birdied uh, 17. And leading by a couple, it's like you don't really know whether to, you know, shoot at the middle of the green or to, you know, you don't know if you're going to need to make a birdie or what, and you kind of just—I feel like you lose focus at that point. That was a uh, that was Rory a couple weeks ago when coming into the final round at uh, oh Doral it was, where he had made comments of because he'd been garbage in those last final rounds of the leads, and he he said that part of the issue was that he wasn't uh, fully committing and being aggressive, and he still couldn't do it, even though he even though he knew what he had to do to win. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think the guy who always says it is Jack Nicholas, who said every time that he would have a lead on a Sunday, he would always be shooting at the middle of the greens, and if he you know, hit one at a pin, it would be a mistake. So, I mean, he held on to the leads pretty well, so I guess you know that's probably what people should be doing, having, if- that, go- having that goal in mind of, you know, middle of the green, even if it's a bad shot, you know, what are the, it might end up closer to the pin than you want it. I wonder if it's an intimidation factor, like with Jack Nicholas and Tiger, where people would realize they're not going to be able to catch him. But now with the random guys out there with the lead, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You know, Haas made an interesting comment I heard earlier in the week and, you know, he's won six times on tour he made a comment that he's just happy when he can contend, which is, you know, pretty incredible for a guy that's won six times to say, you know, he's, he said, I'm just happy to contend um, with these guys that are out here doing it every week. Yeah, that's that. I hadn't heard that. That one is interesting. Uh, I, re- I remember Tiger saying something similar to that. It was, I mean, in the last few years. So, you know, when he was, you know, battling injuries and whatnot. He was. He would say, you know, I just got to put my put myself in position to contend, and you know, I'm happy with happy with being in the contention to you know put a good Sunday together and have a win. See, I think those quotes are just garbage. You know, I ra- I rail on guys a lot for not for just saying the the normal thing that you're expected to say. So, one, they might be lying about it, or two, that's just completely the wrong attitude. You know, Matt Every, and we'll get to him later because of his two-time champion. I was reading some of his quotes after he won, and he was like, you know, I, I, I knew I could win, but I'm still not even close to there yet. Like, my game isn't good enough to do that. And he made it seem like he's he's not content uh, to be, like, a, a contender. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't know if these guys are lying or just have terrible attitudes towards, towards winning. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Graham DeLay, 
who was in the final group, came out and said, he said, correct, I'm going to go out and win this tournament tomorrow. And then he got backlash for saying that. Um, he didn't cut like a winner, but, you know. Yeah, I like... Yeah, I I like I like that sort of attitude. I like them not being afraid uh to say that to the media and get a little backlash. I think uh Secret Tour Pro on Twitter said something about how he liked that too. Uh and was ro- either rooting or thinking that GDL could also get it done despite his giant beard. I don't know who would look at those, you know, comments by Graham and say what is he thinking? Like, you know, he's such an idiot for saying that because I don't know what pro is thinking, you know, I'm going to go out there and shoot poorly and, you know, still win, you know, going into a Sunday round in which they're, they're in contention within a shot, I guess. Yeah. Or even lie about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why why would you, why would you lie to that? I I think, uh, you know, Graham Delay in the ball. No pro can hold it against Graham for saying, I'm going to go out there and play well and win. Yeah, I, don't, I think uh, everybody's almost afraid of the That's, media. What is everyone else trying to do? So uh, you say one thing, you get chastised. Um, you say another thing, they say you don't want to win. Um, it's just really a no-win situation with those guys. <laughs> That's definitely true. Like, look at us, we're talking about everybody's like dissecting all their tiny little quotes that have probably been misreported and <laughs> well incredible beer I mean look at uh, Dustin Johnson's tweet today what was it what was his tweet oh Oh, the, uh, the Team Nike tweet. I bet Adidas was thrilled to have him tweeting at a guy and hashtagging Team Nike. Oh, yeah. Did you see? Like, uh... It was, yeah, it was exactly the same as somebody else. Oh, you know, I wonder if it was, hang on. I wonder if it was... So, so whoever's running a Twitter account or him. Yeah. Just... I, is it still up there? It's interesting because you pointed out that, uh, Jack, that it, they had the same tweet. I bet Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson's have the same social media guy. They do, and I wonder if he like, did he, it for the wrong person because yeah. cause he, t- Aaron, he had to. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers and Andre, I think it was Andre Iguodala. No, Andre Drummond. They had the same tweet that was just like uh, about some MMA, like, oh, it was great to see a fight, can't wait for next week, and it was exactly the same. And someone else had brought that up. So I wonder, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if that tweet is even still on their page. I don't, when when I saw it, when you because you posted it, I don't know this morning sometime, right? No, uh, no, this was Sunday. It was still up today. Uh-huh. This morning, this morning when I saw it. Well, I, so I don't know. That was a screenshot of it. So. Oh, then. Yeah, then yeah. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You never, you never know what, what's going on in the background with these media, with this media stuff. So uh, back to Delay's beer. <laughs> it's really impressive, and I, uh, I just can't stop staring at it on TV. And it makes me think, like, you know, he's one of the best ball strikers in the world, 
And do, do you think it helps him with his, you know, shoulder turn? I mean, it when must be because him back. the the other good beard on tour is Boot. Well, I don't know about good. The other full beard is Boo Weekly, and he's also one of the best ball strikers out there. Neither of them can putt. Maybe that's just like you have a beard, you turn into a great, great iron player, but then just lose the ability to make anything. So here's my question. Does every other beard combined on tour even equal the facial, like the length of Graham Delight's beard? Is it even close? Hmm. Dustin Johnson has a really defined beard. That hair looks yeah, but very that, the hair is probably like a quarter inch long. I can't think of anyone else with a beard. Well, apparently the tour is really against facial hair. Um, I know that that Boo Weekly, the first his first start at Sony, um, the guy that's in charge of like rules and competition paid him a visit because he had such a you know unkept beard. And asked him when hunting season was over. Ooh, the passive aggressiveness. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, a, a lot of guys have stubble, but not many guys have the, the beard. I, I hate to say it, but that sounds exactly like the PGA. The PGA? Yeah. Like the PGA of America? Yeah. Yeah, well, they got to keep the, I mean, it's not like the, AGA. I mean, they don't. They're very secretive. They don't announce fines. Oh. Yeah. So I feel like it's like more of a discouraged thing, and then uh... the other thing is, I don't know. A lot of these guys come from well-off families, um, growing up, and like you know, they live that country club lifestyle. So as opposed to Delay, who's from canada and beards are like you know part of the culture there and apparently in the panhandle too although love is not represented <laughs> all right from that we're going to move on to people who probably can't grow beards even if they wanted to and we're talking about amateurs last week uh was highlighted by lee mccoy who was paired with spieth who we didn't even talk about because uh he played okay but uh, as an amateur, a senior at the University of Georgia, shooting a final round, a great second round. What was he, Mike, you did the card of the week on him? Five, six under, five under? Uh, yeah, actually in the third round, he was six under, and then he was minus two in his last round. He, pro- he had the best weekend, I believe. Yeah, and as a senior who right now, I think, I think he rushed back to Georgia to play, to play in their home event. Uh, yeah. Going on right now, I hadn't, I hadn't checked the scores. I guess, I mean, he shot. He shot, He came in seven. He he had to play thirty six holes on Monday. He shot uh, seventy seventy one to come in seventh. But talk about you know emotionally draining. You know, you go four PGA Tour rounds and then you gotta go play, go walk thirty six holes the next day. I read. The, I read they were, they, he was in carts though, so that helps. Um. Parts. Oh well, yeah, but still. And you shot seventy-one, seventy-one. So he came in seventh. And I was gonna say that was that would be. I mean, my main takeaway from both of that is that he he's not going to school. Like, let's not. <laughs> I mean, if you're able to miss a whole week and then oh, let's just take a couple more days off. That's that's not going to school. Maybe that's why they're so good. 
Something that I thought was interesting is that he came in fourth, and if you're a pro, you get an exemption. Into, but then I, I, I was into, into the next week. I, I don't think it matters if you're a pro, right? I think you well, get I, it in anyway. I was, look, I was looking at it, and he didn't get it. So I'm assuming that since he's an amateur, he didn't, that it doesn't apply to amateurs. Oh, I think it does, but I'm wondering if it's because the Arnold Palmer is an invitational. It could be, and it has Maybe. special it's rules. One of so the, it, like it's, it gets deferred. It's one of the two reasons. Do you know? Does it? I don't know. I would guess it would get deferred. And like, what's next? Week? Puerto show. Rico. Puerto Rico's next because he's not going to play in the World Golf Championship. I wonder if he can get into that. Well, he'd probably get in regardless if he wanted to. He'd probably get his sponsors in yeah. that. Sure. But I mean, if you, if you if you get an exemption into that, would you go play? No. Why not? Puerto Rico, it's like a, it's a, it's a web.com major. Exactly. Easier big, chance. For, I mean, okay, he's in college now, but let's say he goes down to Puerto Rico and he wins. Like, you're, that's two years on the PGA Tour. You can, you can, like, you're, you're set. You've got everything. Like, why wouldn't but, you get the experience, too? But the other thing, the other aspect of it is if he turns pro after he graduates, he can only, you can only get seven exemptions in a year. So would you burn one now when you're still an amateur? No, this wouldn't. Be, this this is separate from that. This is like oh yeah, a because top ten thing. Yeah. I would go play. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Especially because he's not going to school anyway. Like I said. Who wouldn't want to go to Puerto Rico too? Well, he's already been to Puerto Rico. They have that tournament there every year that Georgia goes to. Mm-hmm. Not at the same course, unfortunately, but. Uh, anyway, the reason we're talking about yeah, it is gonna, because I was going to say that had to have been recently. Yeah, that was in um, February, beginning of February, I think. Uh, yeah, so the reason we're talking about this is because there have been an influx, it seems. In the Maybe he's going up the course. Of good amateurs. Uh, Lee McCoy is one, another one, uh, and then the two playing this week are Bryson DeChambeau uh, along with Maverick McNeely. Both uh, Bryson got in because the USAM champ gets an invite from the Arnold Palmer every year, and then Maverick McNeely gets in uh, by virtue. I think I haven't been able to confirm this. I think it's because uh, he played in the Palmer Cup, named after Arnold Palmer, and they instituted it uh, an invite where all the players in the Palmer Cup vote for a player to go and represent them in the in the tournament, and I believe that's how he got in. Uh, I mean, he's played in a PGA Tour event or two before, I believe. Same with Bryson. Uh, he, Bryson's actually not in college. He's because of the whole postseason suspension, so he's just gearing up for the Masters and to turn pro. Uh, but McNeely won the Hogan Award too for top uh, top college golfer last year. That's yeah. That's I think that's probably it. Is that it? I mean, he might have gotten both probably. Yeah, and I think there's another amateur. I'm not. I'm not. I know the winner of the Southern Am gets Southern Amateur gets in as well. Uh, but but it's not just this. Uh, there have been a couple. There have been other instances in the past few years of of amateurs playing well, uh, especially at the U.S. Open. Remember Bo Hostler back in like high school at Olympic Club. Uh, this past year at the British Open, Paul Dunn. And that was at Olympic. That was in 2012. 12. Yeah, we went over this in the car. We couldn't remember. He's he's like he was like seventeen then. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, and then at the British Open this year, Paul Dunn was a 54-hole leader, and then Jordan Niebergi finished. Yeah, he had braces. Top. <laughs> Jordan Niebergi finished top ten eventually. I think it was like tied sixth uh, to below Am. Uh, so I guess the question is: and Are we should we be surprised that uh, these amateurs are playing and well? And he did not. He did not get an exemption to the next week. Who? Uh, Niebergi did not get any sort of exemption to anything. I don't think from that. Oh yeah, that was that was because he had to finish top four, right? Top four got you into all the other majors. I remember we were talking about this. Yeah, top four gets you into all the other majors, but I think the uh, you know. I guess the, it. He gets an exemption back into it this year, though, right? I believe he gets back into the Open this year. Um, but yeah. Should check on that. You know, but I, don't, I, I don't think he got any other exemptions because of that. Something I put in, I was, I was, I put into my like predictions going into the year, but then took out because I wimped out. Was that an amateur? Uh, would win a tournament this year. I think that the writing's on the wall with how successful guys like Justin Thomas and Spieth have been at such a young age, um, not to mention like Smiley Kaufman, all these guys that are coming on and winning right away, that like golf has changed because of Tiger. Um, you look at the way these guys train, and they don't play other sports. I, I When I was growing up, I played you know, two sports in high school and, you know, these guys play one sport and only focus on golf all year round. And it's turning into, they're just, you know, better players when they get out of high school, get to college. And, you know, you're seeing more and more of these guys compete and uh, shoot these low numbers in these pro tour pro events. Yeah. And it's funny. I think another, another part to go along with that, that you'll see is, uh, you know, these amateurs, Lee McCoy, he's six months younger than Jordan Spieth. Like, the number one player in the world. They were contemporaries, junior golf. Like, they knew each other back then, I'm assuming. Uh, and there's no, like, oh, my gosh, I can't do well. When you're, you know, seeing guys who are your age, Jordan, uh, Justin Thomas, too, who are playing well, there's, no, there's none of that, uh, none of that, oh, crap, I'm playing against Tiger kind of a deal. They, they, they know what they have to do to win, and they know they've been able to compete against these guys in the past. Mm-hmm. So, so you, so you don't think somebody is going to win this year, is that right? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I almost put it in as a bold prediction that somebody would, but um, I don't think somebody will win. I think that there's just, I think the pressure is too much. If you get into contention on Sunday, um, you know, I think Lee McCoy is probably the guy that's played the best of any amateur on a Sunday um, that's really been in it. Uh, you look at, like, Paul Dunn, I, I don't know, he shot in the 80s, I think, on Sunday. Um, I think he, these guys have to come from behind if they're going to win. Um, that being said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one won. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, uh, is the familiarity factor with the course. Like, you look at Jordan Spieth playing in Dallas back when he was 16, uh, and finished top 15, I think. It's because he knew the course. Lee McCoy grew up in this area. Uh, and, like, looking back to when Phil, Phil Mickelson won as a Lee, Mc- Lee McCoy. Uh, when, Phil, when Phil won as an amateur, he 
I mean, that was in Scottsdale where he grew up, and of course he'd played it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a great point. It's it's so important, and that's what these tour guys get at all these these stops yeah. is they they get the familiarity with it year after year. Um, you know where to hit the ball. You know which way putts break. It's a, it's a huge advantage. Yeah. So it'd probably have to be somewhat of a of a perfect storm situation in order to win. All right, moving on. Uh, we're going to talk quickly. I would about- have to say that I oh, think the only guy. So Bryson De- Bryson DeChambeau has been playing on the. Uh, so Bryson DeChambeau has been playing on the European Tour, and he's, I think, three out of three. You know, cuts made to starts. So he's been playing well. Yeah, he had the one good uh, finish. Was it in Dubai, where he was uh, in like, the last group before Gagan? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he might have been the last week or last group going into the weekend, and he kind of choked on the weekend. But yeah, he's he got a tough pairing with Matt Roy and Andy Sullivan. <laughs> Talk about you know intimidating. Yeah, and he's he's a guy who isn't he like Lee McCoy doesn't seem to be going to much class many classes. Uh, DeChambeau hasn't isn't going to class at all. Uh, I think I mentioned it with Southern Methodist postseason ban. Uh, there's just no reason for him to be in classes, and I, I think he, I think he's done. He's just practicing, gearing up, getting to play in the Masters, and then I think the idea is to turn pro right after. So he's definitely not having to deal with the multiple commitments of golf and class. Yeah, he's also a golf scientist. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. Self-proclaimed one. <laughs> so, are there are there any non-self-proclaimed? Like, is there a uh, like a he golf does, science he has, database? <laughs> he, he might be the only one. He's got he's got the goofy golf hat. He's got the goofy golf hat. He's got all his irons are like I don't, they posted it this week. His you know his iron setup, which are just weird irons that are all the same length. I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, uh it's he's got a weird bag, he's got a weird look, and he does really well with it. Yeah, he's got m- marketability, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in the uh in the future. Speaking of, you know, he's got the Masters coming up. So, what do you think his chances are there? Uh, slim <laughs> to win? Just to, let's just say make the cut. Oh, he can make the cut. It's not. It can't be that hard to make the cut at the Masters. Making the, making the cut at the Masters. In ter- yeah, in terms of majors, because what do they got? Just under, yeah, they have a hun- under a hundred people. Uh, most of them are like Craig Stadler and um, Sandy Lyle. Unlimited practice rounds. Yeah, unlimited he, practice rounds. Yeah, he's been hanging out there. He, so, yeah, he's, he's not. He's not in classes. He can. Isn't that what um, Tenling... He's playing in tournaments and going to Augusta. Yeah, Tenling Guan. That's got to be what he's doing. The, uh, the Asian kid who made it, who made the cut a couple of years ago, I think he was like spent the two months leading up to the Masters at Augusta National, like playing every day. Uh, so there's definitely a formula for, for doing that. Who, who do you guys like more at Augusta? Uh, Steven Bowditch, who just broke 80 for the first time in six rounds? Or... Uh, or DeChambeau? I'll go with Bowditch. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, DeChambeau. Just... 
it's because he's probably played at Augusta a dozen times this year already. Well, Bodich Bode has played before. He's won. He's played the Masters last year, right? Yeah, he's because he, yeah. he won. He's won like three times on tour. Yeah, two last year. I think. He, yeah, I think he, he's won twice or three times. He, he's a good player. He's just ice cold yeah. at the moment. <laughs> it's it's crazy how golf can do that to you. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, it's probably just like one thing. He's probably hitting the ball fine and it just can't ship or something. Yeah, I can't say I've been following too much of Stephen Bowditch other than just looking at the carnage at the end. Uh, so, yeah, I wonder, wonder what it is. No, actually, it's, I bet it's a couple bad swings. Like uh, two weeks ago, the card of the week, Mike, was Bowditch, and it was like he had six birdies and a ten and an eight and a couple eights. Like it's got to be just a, a few swings, wouldn't you think? Yeah, he only had. Yeah, I mean, he had a so he had a hole that he was six over, a hole that he was four over, and a hole that he was three over, and he had no bogeys or doubles. So it's you know it's got to be a big miss. Yeah, and at Doral, do it to you because of all the lakes. Yeah, if you have a big miss at Doral, you're probably in the middle of a lake. Yeah. All right. Well, we're running out of time, so we're gonna jump to the bottom. We'll get to um, the most likely, least likely. A couple questions here for debate at the end. First question is, so at the Arnold Palmer Invitational here, we get five of the top ten players in the world, uh, led by Rory McIlroy, who is now number two in the world. He jumped Jason Day, who is also in the field, who's number three in the world. Then we have Justin Rose, we have Henrik Stenson, and we have, who am I missing? Give me a sec here. I'll think of it. Wow, I'm blanking on it. Uh, so we got Scott. Adam oh, Scott. Adam Scott. Poor Adam, forgetting him. Um, who out of those five do you think will do the best? Who out of those five do you think will do uh, the well, best? Only the guy coming in on a two-tournament win streak. All right, Mike, you're go- so you're going to the Adam Scott for bet top? And we're going to revisit these, so, so don't think you can get off the hook by just you know saying random names and thinking you'll never be held accountable. I think uh, the most likely to miss the cut is Rory, and I think most likely to do well this week is Henrik. Okay. Andy? Uh, I'm going with Jason Day for most likely to miss the cut. His best finish in Florida ever was a tie for 17th last year in this event. Um, and then most likely to do well, I will go, I'll go with a sleeper. I'll go with uh, Henrik Stenson. He's got a good track record in the event and lives in Orlando. Wait, Mike, didn't you say Stenson was going to do the best, too? Yeah, he did, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So. Yeah, he, he was the one that collapsed last year and let Matt Every win again. And then, Adam, and then Adam Scott collapsed two years ago after his, like, five-shot lead of we're bringing it back all the way to the start of the show when we talked about players collapsing with leads. It's, it's hard to win yep. out there. All right, for me... Yeah. Do you think Matt Every is the weirdest back-to-back champion of all time? Yeah. Yes. A resounding yes. I, I can't think of anybody that's won. Like, do you think it's something about the golf course? 
I've been, I mean, you know, obviously the one of the stories this week is Matt Every, and so I mean, we've been thinking about him for a few days. But I, I haven't come up with anything to explain like, his doing well. Does he just get to Bay Hill and is just like a new person? It, it must be. I, that's he's. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, they, for, they, had for, to change, they had to change the greens to Matt Every proof the cars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for people out there who don't know who Matt Every is, he's uh, the back, back-to-back defending champion at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I feel like we should have said this at the beginning. Uh, and he hasn't done well in pretty much any other event. I think he's had like, like three other top tens in his career or something. It's just bizarre for him to do well in, in this tournament two Every, years in a row. He had... Uh... And the year before, he only had four top tens, and he's ranked 163rd in the world. Yeah, so not someone you're expecting to win a tournament, let alone twice the same one. Um, okay, top five, who's going to do well? I'm, I'll go with Rory to win. He plays well. I, uh, you know, his, his recent tournament finish, he's still been up high. And I'll go with Justin Rose to to do the worst. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll we'll recap next week. Uh, one more, most likely, least likely of all the amateurs we've mentioned, who's the most likely to make it as a pro? So we got Bryson, we got Mav, and we got Lee McCoy. I think those are the main ones we were talking about. So who do you think is the most likely to make it as a pro? Bryson, Mav, Lee McCoy, might as well throw in Jordan Ebergy. Sure. Paul Dunn, how about two? He's, a, he's already okay. a pro. Oh, Paul uh, Dunn's a pro. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been doing well, too, so. All right, Mike. Most likely to make it as a pro. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with um, Maverick McNeely. Mm. I don't know why. I'm just guessing. Okay. It's always a guess. All right. Yeah. This this one's gonna be a hard one to validate next week. This might be a couple years down the road when some random person listens to this and like yells at us like, "Well, Mike, you picked the wrong guy." So yeah. Andy. Yes. Scientist. I think that he'll, you know, figure out some formula. To crack the code out there. And, so, so you're going yeah. with Bryson? I'm going with Bryson as much as I dislike him. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll go with Lee McCoy. He already proved he can play well right there. Uh, and he seems, he seems ready to go. And just to, you know, even it out and make everybody feel good. I'll go with him. All right. You guys got anything else? Otherwise, I think we'll wrap it up for this week. Ah, it sounds about right. No, that's, that's it for me. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep. Yeah, thanks, thanks. For, thanks for joining us. Changing it up a bit. It's always good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and we will see everybody next week then. Bye.